What the fuck is up, gamers? Welcome to Heavy Avengers <laughs> Pokemon Going to Die, not a threat. Just a fact. My name is Alex, aka Serby, fully bloated. <laughs> and oh, that's that'll good. make more sense later. It'll make more sense later. Uh, joined today by uh, some hosts who aren't important and a special guest. Oh, am I the special guest? Sick. All yeah, right, yeah, yes. that's, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> I've never been special before. Yes, hello, it's Kieran. I'm from the Corner Spatey podcast. I'm just thinking about how much the Germans love homeopathy. It's really disturbing at the moment because there's a pandemic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that, that has come up in many places in North America as well. People who are very <laughs> into homeopathy and not having vaccines. There was a protest this uh, just this uh, yesterday actually in Berlin where a bunch of people were meditating in like a central part of Berlin with um, the constitution at their feet. It was a very strange mix of energies. Huh. There's there's constitution worship over there. Some... You got that one too. <laughs> oh yeah, the Grundgesetz. They love it. They love the Grundgesetz. <laughs> So the, the thing about the um, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms is that, like, it was a document that was created within most people's lifetimes, because um, it was only signed in 1982. <laughs> uh, okay, but, so, wait, but wait, who's 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 this? Who are you, who's talking? Oh, my name's Matt. It's hydroxychloroquine, drinking bleach just to feel clean. I'm having a beer for breakfast because it's the damn quarantine. <laughs> and it's me, the leader of the flopposition, Matt. S. The S stands for Scotland. Yeah. I actually had a different nickname, but I forgot what it was, so I had to do that rap that I was planning to drop like halfway through the episode. So <laughs> that's about how my brain's feeling today. Um, I don't know what happens when you have coffee, antidepressants, and alcohol within half an hour of each other, but watch out. All the time, all the time. All the time, all the time. Let's fucking go! So should we just um, should we just go feet first into the UK shit show or? Yeah, let's yeah. talk about the UK. Okay. Right now, right um, now, there's no Americans here, so we don't have to talk about Donald Trump oh. at all. Oh, God. <laughs> oh the He's Cheeto frog. He's a freaking uh, Cheeto. He is a Folks. Cheeto. I'm so the, hungry. The guy might be a Cheeto. <laughs> um. So, some uh, there's been some news occurring uh, UK side UK across the pond if you will uh, as, as you know there's news happening everywhere the UK is no different uh, kind of a bunch of different places to start but I think the, the, the most important thing for us to talk about is the hashtag labour leaks Woo. very trendy um Crisis, I guess you could say, or kind of debacle, or love when crises uh, have hashtags. So trendy. Yeah. <laughs> scandal is that the right word? Crises. Yeah, scandal. I guess it's a scandal. Um, essentially, no, that's not essential. Um, b- basically, during the the Labour Party's inquiry into anti-Semitism, that was kind of brought was kind of a big part of the leadership campaigns that have just kind of come and gone. Oh yeah, Keir Starmer is in charge of uh, the Labour Party now. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, so essentially, Keir Starmer was given the report. I think 
on the maybe the fifth of April or so. He um, had it for about two weeks or something before it was leaked. Yeah. So yeah. um basically uh they were advised by their lawyers, the Labour Party, to not publish this part of the inquiry and instead rely on the data and the information that had been provided through sort of senior leadership, essentially. Um which kind of isn't a good look when you actually read the report so i've kind of yeah. been getting a lot of this through sinan Coase on twitter and um, he read through it all and he kind of uh, commented on it uh i'm glad but, there's people who are willing to read for us yeah, so we don't have to do yeah. anything we are heroes there are a few, <laughs> um, yeah uh so there there's big implications for ian mcnichol who was the governance and legal unit head which is basically kind of, as you can imagine, the governance and legal section of the party. Um, I think what one of the the things, uh, Kieran was just saying this before, but like, um, it's it's challenging enough to deal with just because how on earth are you meant to understand how this like the structure of this party works, right? Um, and like the leader, the leader's office seems to be, um, you know pretty much the only part of the senior Labour hierarchy that wasn't actually hostile to Jeremy Corbyn during the time of his leadership um, yeah. there's like evidence to suggest <laughs> I'd <laughs> the whole the whole thing is so uh, like loaded with sort of deceit that it's really hard to, to actually say what's uh, what's suggested and what's evidence sort of thing yeah i mean let's 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 break let's break down some of the claims that were that were put into this article so one um this is something that i saw uh, in an article from 2018 also in addition mm. to one from uh last week is that uh, the people in charge of advertising for the party were serving different ads to jeremy corbyn and journalists who are friends of jeremy corbyn uh than they were serving to the general public basically to make it look like they weren't undermining his message by like you know putting really centrist ass ads out there yeah so like it's just like that is so that's too on the nose right (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah the on the nose aspect of all this is the best i think the the i guess that's the kind of first point or the one of the points you're getting to is the kind of electioneering stuff that's in this report Mm -hmm. which is really fucking terrible um yeah, I, I think it's also worth, for context for anyone who doesn't know this, I think it's worth pointing out that most people who are mentioned in this report or most people who are, like, responsible for the actions that are taken that are described in this report are, like, unelected bureaucrats within the party. These are, like, yeah. held yeah. job positions. The, the the term apparatchik has never been the most, is, like, the most useful term here, I think. Yeah. Um, but, like, going That's back to the... Like, mountain chain. <laughs> <laughs> the um some of the great electioneering stuff would be that like there was basically a second campaign in 2017 conducted by labor hq where they gave substantially more money to like safe labor right seats and then like no money to marginal corbin friendly seats um or just like yeah so like they literally they could have done better in that election but they literally did not and they didn't want them to no, they didn't, and they were very surprised with the results because the the overall plot, as was outlined in the report, was they wanted to like lose very badly that election so that they could force a, uh, a leadership, leadership election. Leadership yeah. contest, yeah. 
and uh, install and then, Tom so Watson. one of the other things was like uh, text cha- uh, text excerpts from the election <laughs> night where they were reading the polls and they were like oh fuck I, I guess that's the fucking uh, the po- polling industry dead in the water because it had Jeremy Corbyn up like 30 yeah. points or whatever right um, like completely surging Labour's electoral share and also like um, when they were winning certain seats it was like oh I bet all the poors voted for them here yeah like, it was like, it was yeah. all just like the exact uh, the exact image you have of kind of sneering oh my uh, god like one of the points was like um, there was people who were working in like the kitchens at Labour HQ or something like that it was like they, they could hear like some of the um, some of the like the like sanitation and food workers happy about a labor victory and they were like literally sneering about these people who work like with them in the same building i mean of course you know you know that they're they just view them as like the help and i think they even used the word the help yes they did well in the the thing i read it it was pretty pretty damn close um yeah (laughs) what, what, what one of the other truly more reprehensible signs of this was um Essentially, Diane Abbott reported a couple of times to Labour HQ that the the, the the sheer amount of Diane Abbott, by the way, is the first uh, woman Black MP in the UK, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. first woman of color. Yeah. yeah, and essentially, like, was was under a tremendous amount of hate mail and abuse just from sort of every angle, and reported this to Labour HQ, and I think. Basically, there was a story a few years ago about Diana Abbott crying in the toilets in Labour HQ, coming from like the fucking sun and stuff like that. I think it was right. Michael Crick who maybe was at the, uh, the Times. I can't remember. It doesn't really matter because it's all shite. But um, th- they basically w- had a text exchange where they were like, "Oh yeah, we passed on her location to Michael Crick." Um, it was uh, one of the people that they um, told that story to was. Uh, Rod Little, who is like involved in the Spectator, he was recently on an episode of Trigonometry, which is just as terrible a podcast is as that it, what sounds. it sounds. Like, yeah. is that is that like is that like fucking like Stephen Crowder or some shit? Yeah, basically, it's like the two most um, god awful like comedians who are like, oh, we just want to say what people want to hear, and then they just okay. Talk well, about if, the we're gonna, if we're gonna go on. For, if we're going to talk about what people want to hear, let's take for a moment the fact that his name is Rod Little. <laughs> Rod let's make... Little. 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 <laughs> well, you know what? It still sounds enough. Like, it like, does. um, you know like what? We're talking about a little, you know what? little tiny little little uh, little like, Rod like thing. Rod or small? Rod yeah. small. Tiny penis. Oh yes. shit! <laughs> Woo! Woo! What's wrong with that? But I, I think um, it's like the story. The story about Diane Abbott was leaked for the purposes of, oh, isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. Not like, um, not as a kind of story to elicit sympathy for her. Yeah, I mean that's the son's like whole angle, right? It's just like anyone who works in government is a crook, except for the people we like. Well, Rod Little works for the Spectator, which is like the I don't know the the fancy man's, the rich man's, the son. It's like a, oh, it, it's a garbage paper. It's nearly like the the rich man's Breitbart almost yes oh good yeah. uh like it's it, it it's run by andrew neil who's just just an unbelievable piece of shit yeah and uh mm. it has a lot of the same the, journalists the as spiked when... sorry go ahead it's, it has a lot of the same journalists as spiked but it's like all those journalists from spiked not wilding out as much <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
there was a thing in a BuzzFeed article yesterday that described Spiked as a left-wing website. Ooh. Uh, what point yes. calling out a bunch of UK Twitter shit posters who, <laughs> who um, yeah. so there's a there's another commentator called Dan Hodges in the UK and he's uh he's nearly like PJW level of like complete fucking bonnet. Uh but he um it was like somebody tweeted like unbelievable to hear Dan Hodges died. Uh <laughs> I may not have agreed with his politics, but I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> and it was just like a fake tweet. Uh, and it was like this little like BuzzFeed fucking grass article where they were like, uh, much of the humour seems to be surreal in nature. So it was like just shitposting, uh, but they like, right. named and shamed. And it's also like a picture of Spiked Buff as Goofy. a left-wing, or, uh, left-wing blog site. It's, it's, it, literally, it's literally that one... Um, the one meme the website... The write-up of Brooks as a prime example of shitposting. Oh, I was I was gonna talk about the uh, someone wrote up like the dirtbag left as like Bernie's uh, base. <laughs> oh yeah, as if it's not like three people on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, yeah, no. It just it, it does just remind me of trying to refer to the post where Brooks was saying um, that he would warg into someone and jerk off as a prime example of shitposting. Oh right. Uh. Like just real academic language for something that does not require it whatsoever. But you do like you do know Spike's history. It used to be called Living Marxism. Oh, I didn't Whoa. know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was a it was a Trotskyist, like a genuinely Trotskyist paper from like the seventies, back when like. There was this section of the left in the UK that was suspiciously getting a lot of money and all their opinions seemed to be garbage and in favor of the uh, status quo. Right. Uh. About the same time that a bunch of uh, right-wing terrorists in Italy were getting money from somewhere. I'm not saying that's in any way connected, but you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, I wonder what happened to those guys. Uh, it's <laughs> funny how that works. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, so Labour have been doing a bad job we could kind of move on slightly to the new leader Libra sh- leadership and their cabinet which is yeah yeah I wanted catastrophic to, yeah. it's the only other thing from the Labour leak that I like remember off the dome that we haven't really gotten into yet is how there was like anti-semitism complaints were basically coming in to the Labour leadership and they were going to Jeremy Corbyn in a way that suggests that they were dealt with but they were basically yes. just scuttling them to make him look worse. Yeah. Uh, Which is like, that is just fucking evil. I have and the exact it, quote here if you want. Me. Yeah, 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 go, go uh, for it. Yeah, yeah, so Lotto was informed, Lotto being leader of the opposition, that's Jeremy Corbyn effectively, was informed that all uh, labor against anti-Semitism complaints had now been dealt with, more than 300 of them. The vast majority of complaints were not about party members. Uh, all... All those 73 cases... Oh, no, sorry. 73 cases were actually being able to dealt with. All those 73 cases were now receiving a uh, suspension. All complaints of anti-Semitism were being dealt with promptly and appropriately. And to quote the paper again, none of this information was accurate. Naturally. Weren't um, weren't the majority of those complaints coming from one person as well? Uh, one like uh, More than 50% of complaints came from one person, as far as I remember. But this is not the... This is specifically talking about the Labour Against Anti-Semitism, which okay, is an organization so, right. that, like, okay. yeah, 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 is organized within Labour. They made complaints to Labour HQ about anti-Semitism within the party. They were which, like a commission, basically? No, they're, they're like a special interest group within the party. Uh, uh, possibly a caucus in the American context is a way to think about it, but it was like probably yeah. like 
Jewish members, MPs, things like that, and people who right, right. have an interest in you know there being no anti-Semitism. Um, yeah. yeah, as one should. <laughs> as one should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's one there, other there, thing actually I wanted to highlight was that there. I mean, it's worth if 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 the, this sort of stuff is interesting, it's worth reading the whole thing because it's really mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, um, damning. But one other thing I want to mention was uh, Sam Matthews, who was in charge of something. Um, essentially, there was a comparison of his um, just his general score on the pre-interview matrix or whatever for for getting this job. Let me. Just, I'm just just trying to find the. Uh, he was head of disputes, so um, but he was also kind of an ally of a lot of the people like Ian McNichol, uh, Jonathan Ashworth, mm. people like that. Um, uh, they had a comparison of his kind of political record and his just his CV in general um, compared with the other person that was up for the interview and uh, Sam Matthews has like no history of activism, no history within the Labour Party really to speak of whereas the other guy whose name escapes me at the moment was um, a local councillor he was a doctor um, had been volunteering for various kind of he'd been volunteering for food banks. Essentially the image Would have been of the, good of the, the Corbyn Labour Party, yeah, uh, in full, um, was up for it versus Sam Matthews, who's a career thick of it style, grey suit, uh, sneering at poor people kind of guy, and obviously they get mm-hmm. him. Um, there was another uh, sort of list for I think it was uh, members of sort of parliamentary Labour Party. Um, it was sort of a admission checklist sort of thing and it was basically like where do they where do they sit on the Iraq war give them 10 points if they think it was good for some reason like that's what it said in the <laughs> oh movie. boy 10, 10 points 10 points to Gryffindor for implicating uh, Iraq for having WMDs <laughs> hey Sarah how's it going right here I'm here with my uh, here I'm gonna post my my cool new setup that I have for my I finally uh, figured out how to actually put my fucking podcast mic and arm together hell yes I, I'm podcasting you got your own arm for a pot, for a mic. <laughs> Here I am using mine like a fool. She played uh, Final Fantasy VII remake and got really inspired by Barrett. Hell yeah, <laughs> That's a very bad picture. Okay, but what if Barrett was a podcaster? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't played the game, but from what I can tell, he's like an eco terrorist, and he's right, so he should be a, a podcaster. <laughs> he has all the correct takes, so I'd listen. I'd subscribe. <laughs> And he's and he's not white, so he's allowed to make a new podcast. Was <laughs> <laughs> oh, that moratorium still in effect? God damn it! I haven't been to the head podcasting council yet. <laughs> yeah, we we uh we actually uh we got in under the wall. Actually, no, we uh, yeah we were Matt, grandfathered Matt, in. Matt was yeah. one of our founding fathers. So <laughs> exactly, cha- I'm I'm not white. We're good. I I've cha- they haven't changed the rules since 1900, so I'm still not considered white. <laughs> so it's great. <laughs> I'm some sort there of potato go, ape person. I, I do really enjoy the idea of like a podcast council convening in 1900 and being like, okay, in 100 years, someone will invent podcasts. In, in 100 years, they might be giants will invent the podcast. <laughs> this is going to be huge, I tell you. Uh, How much any, money will it make? None. <laughs> uh, anyways, hey, I'm Sarah, a.k.a. Uh, Bong Johnson Silver. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like pretty it. good. I, it I was, like it a lot. Multi-layered. <laughs> Spur of the moment. How how y'all doing? Pretty good. We're just we're just basically uh, finishing up through the the labor discussion. 
Oh, damn, I was hoping to catch that. Oh, well. The the Labor Party <laughs> obituary. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, so one thing I wanted to know, um, hmm. I've seen the articles. I, hey, I've... I think they should change, hey, uh, hold on, I have a joke for uh, the new the new Labor Party leader oh, to oh, make. Okay. okay. Uh, he should change his name to Jeremy Hasbin. Thank you. <laughs> okay, let's not okay. belabor it. Duh! <laughs> Um, so I've seen the articles. I've seen people being mad online about it. Mm, is mm, there mm. any actual fallout to this yet? Is anything actually happening? No. Uh, Ian McNichol resigned. Okay. So that's one person. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, I think they should change. Hey, uh, hold on. I have a joke for uh, the new the new Labour Party leader oh, to oh, make. Okay. Okay. Uh, he should change his name to Jeremy Hasbin. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Let's not okay. belabor it. <laughs> Ah. Um, so I've seen the articles. I've seen people being mad online about it. Mm, mm, is there mm. any actual fallout to this yet? Is anything actually happening? No. Uh, Ian McNichol resigned. Okay. So that's one person. <laughs> no, it's solved. It's over. Ian McNichol's out. He was the one guy that caused the rot in the Labour Party. Yeah. All those cured. WhatsApp leaks were just him talking to himself. So what you're saying is that this is literally... The DNC email leak and Debbie Wasserman Schultz resigning. Yeah, it's the yeah, same yeah. thing. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. So nothing is going to change, and it's going to be the exact same thing if anyone, even nominally left, ever comes into any position of power within the party ever again. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. it's an institutional problem. Mm -hmm. uh, in the wake of the in the wake of the DNC email leaks, the I I, I I grow more and more impressed at the sheer audacity of Hillary Clinton releasing a book called "What Happened" and like. <laughs> Don't read that. Like, what happened? Read this. What happened? It's it's the it's it's the drill tweet. It's the you know per fires a you know a full AR fifteen mag into my leg with perfect accuracy. Okay, here's what I think happened. One out of <laughs> so like basically like uh, in with the DNC like I feel like just the larger American public doesn't know anything or care. Is this uh. also true in the UK? Yeah, well, I mean, there, there was a, a general disposition to dislike Jeremy Corbyn from the very beginning. Uh, yeah. Just among people. Uh, but So what you're saying is I, that everything is exactly the same? Uh, yeah, 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 except some of Labour's base are really fucking pissed off. I mean, yeah. We were I think right. We were already... Yeah, They're yeah. right to be. <laughs> we spent uh, the last like we spent the last couple of years being gaslit about this like you know he's a big raging anti yeah, yeah all that and then we were like no I don't think that's the case and then we were all told it was conspiracy and now it's true and I should be happy but I'm not yeah. <laughs> yeah. remember remember when vindication could feel good no, no. never <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm really just waiting for the the proof that party leadership of the NDP is preventing its leftward moving that the base of the party and any of the voters of the party all clearly want. Oh, I mean, mm. absolutely. Because that's been, like, such a consistent thing is that the NDP, like, basically since Jack Layton, who is, like, the popular leader of the NDP... Oh, I, lo who I love led his puzzle games. <laughs> he, uh, he <laughs> led the party to its, like, best electoral result in was 2011. Was the Jeremy Corbyn of Canada? Well, no one ever... The thing is, is that the opposition never really stuck anything to him. Right, he, they, yeah. Because the, the only reason that his influence in the party died is because he died. Right. 
R.I.P. Um, the real one. Yeah. That said, even even with him at the helm, the party was on a steady rightward shift. They were aiming for centrist voters the whole time, and it has yielded like steadily more disastrous electoral results. Um, at, like since then, the only huh. thing that saved the NDP in the last election was like Jugmeet Singh's like general personal popularity. Because yeah. the party itself was doing very, very poorly. Yeah, the, the, in like yep. every single writing that they were <laughs> that, a part that, of. That uh, Jagmeet Singh, uh, yep, nope, TikTok really swayed the the youth vote. <laughs> <laughs> but like in like 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 for example, Quebec, uh, J- Jack Layton swept Quebec in 2011. He got like a huge, huge number of the uh, of the seats there, and the twenty the 2019 federal election. The NDP has one seat in the entire province of Quebec. Seat, you get one. <laughs> and, like, it, 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 it's Alexandre Boulis, who is actually pretty cool, uh, and I'm glad that he got to keep the seat, but, like, at the same time... Good name. Yeah, they, they just... Their, their entire operation just is running on fumes at this point. And I wouldn't be surprised if it has been, like, a deliberate hobbling by members of the party. Or even possibly the members of other parties. Like, the Canada's system is... There, there's money in there, even though it, there's not supposed to be. Well, one of, one of, one of the big uh, takeaways for a lot of people, I think, from what I've been reading, is that mm. ultimately the, the party seems to be at the mercies of these kind of guys who study politics at uni and then leave uni without a Gosh. point of view, without a, a, a foot in the fight, and they get these political jobs, and it becomes this kind of insular thing, and it's like the apparatchik thing, it's like yeah. it's people who are, are not uh, like, in what you would generally imagine a left-wing politician to be today, in terms <laughs> of, you know, like it just, like, I, I think in, envisaging them as a, as a kind of grassroots right, first because they're... kind of politician like their 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 uh their prerogative isn't to push the party's like exactly mandate it's mandate it's, it's more... to maintain the existence of the party by any means necessary exactly right and and, yeah. and that itself is like just such a like destructive and completely pervasive um and inherently conservative because you're I, trying yeah. to conserve yeah. the party structure instead of the yeah. party's ideas i'd push back on that a little bit i i'd say at this point they're just like not even conservative they're properly reactionary because right yeah. the 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 party has moved on like the party in any meaningful sense is its membership which is still democratic a membership yeah. they have absolute contempt for mm-hmm. um because yeah. from the whatsapp chats which i i want to pay i want to just illustrate this for everyone at home the whatsapp chats got leaked because they sent their own whatsapp chat their private whatsapp chat to their work email which put it into the scope of the investigation. <laughs> I find that hilarious. That's like, so funny. In private. Uh, it's a whole bunch of people who can't open PDF. Was they it want like to make, they want to make a word cloud of like uh, of the entire chat so that they could see how often Jeremy Corbyn and cunt came up in the same <laughs> sentence. I'm I so mean, glad like, you, yeah. Did they did they put it in their email or did they just do like a a cloud backup? Because that's something you do with WhatsApp is you can like back it up to like Google Drive and shit. I strongly am of the opinion these people do not know how to do a cloud backup. I swear to God, <laughs> this was screenshots of their phone screens and then just. I think it themselves. was. I think they dragged their mouse over the <laughs> web WhatsApp web view and then copy and paste the text. <laughs> so with that like unreadable like Ian McNichol 
1421 said <laughs> <laughs> but like it, yeah they have absolute contempt for the the party the the parties like they also have contempt from the whatsapp chats they have contempt for raising of corporation tax and renationalizing the train industry within the uk which are nationalized ha- trains you have to <laughs> you do it doesn't make any sense you can't run two trains on one track it takes uh, the thing at, that at the, the track. things that I'm most passionate about, which are trains and nationalizing things, and puts them into <laughs> one convenient package for which we could do the nationalization of trains. <laughs> it just makes uh, sense, folks. Yeah, I'll put that into my utopian socialist ideas as well as the soup tap. I'm in favor of the soup tap. We have a hot water tap, a cold water tap, and a soup tap. There's always soup. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't afford food, there's soup at home. Um, but the 66 i think percent like roughly two-thirds of the whole population not even the like labor membership are in favor of raising corporation tax and, yeah exactly and like renationalizing the trains so it, it's always funny how a stat like that will exist and just not factor into policy anyway whatsoever oh no they hate these people they're, they're like you said like uh, as, as as you were saying the, the they're like political science students which are terrible people um, yeah. Because it's basically four years of college telling you that nothing can change. Don't worry about it. Just put it in a new number in the spreadsheet, and maybe that will marginally improve something for like um, radio listeners in Ohio, which is an important like demographic the, it, in this collection. It's that one picture of like a bunch of like homeless guys walking through a book, and they come out like as business guys, except for it's a bunch of uh, homeless guys walking through a political science book, and they come out Nate Silver. <laughs> Speaking of homeless guys, these are the kind of people who want to have that bit from The Simpsons where the homeless person like transforms into a post box. <laughs> that's like that's their political ideology at the moment. Oh, I yeah. really do. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's really just it, isn't it? Uh, before we move on from labor, I just want to. Every time labor comes up, I just always think about this, and I always like to remind everyone else. Do you remember that time that the Tories put out that image of uh, Corbyn in a chicken suit, and he looked like he was about to drop the fresh, like the best yeah. of 2018? <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, but like, I think another part of why nothing is changing is just the general, like, media um, hostility towards labor and its current state. Yeah. The like there's a lot of these things about the report and a lot of stories that are coming out like Jewish people getting suspended from the Labour Party by Labour HQ for like anti-Semitism when it was just kind of like a vaguely critical of Israel position where like Holocaust deniers within the party had like weren't suspended until like earlier this year well, Rachel um, Reeves is still a member of the party and yeah. has been pretty vocal in her support for Nancy Astor, the famous uh, Hitler apologist of the Labour Party of the 30s. Yeah, so this is... Um, it, it was always like the, the coincidence of all of this was like the people who were anti-Semitic or considered anti-Semitic, like I said, the guy I was talking about is like an anti-Zionist British Jew mm-hmm. uh, who like shared articles by like Norman uh, Finkelstein or something like that. He was a proud and vocal supporter of Jeremy Corbyn and he was suspended almost immediately whereas people who didn't really state they were huge fans of Corbyn but were anti-Semitic were kept in the party for as long as possible. Well, right, and Corbyn now the new the leader has... The new leader has said, like, I'm explicitly a pro-Zionist, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was, like, one of the first things I remember seeing about him. Is cool. that he, hear that. Like, <laughs> 
Keep going. Uh, sorry, he's also like taken on positions in, regarding the EU, which isn't really popular in the UK, or just like he—he's in favor of attempting to rejoin, which is just not a feasible idea. It just really isn't. No, mm-hmm. it's it's a conversation I don't think anyone's willing to care about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's like in addition to the everything else waffling yeah. on being kind of waffly on Brexit is definitely something that hurt Jeremy Corbyn in the long run. No. I think, no, I think the position in, I think the only thing that you can, well, I know this debate has been drawn out so much, but like in 2017, they were kind of clear on the position that, hey, we're going to, we're going to leave, but we're going to negotiate the best deal possible. And then in 2019, when they had the second referendum position, it like, it was conceding the point to everyone who was hostile towards them. Right. And as soon as they, as soon as they adopted what was effectively the Lib Dem position, the Lib Dems adopted the like we're not having a referendum we're just going to stay in without the consent of the public position yeah um, the whole thing was insane did and... the Lib Dems do well in that election or do they nope. shit actually yeah okay I thought well, Joe Swinson lost her seat you guys remember Joe Swinson she lost her seat yeah okay I, I, I thought so I thought so but I didn't want to um, I didn't want to assume Yeah. No, I, I do love seeing the Lib Dems eat shit it's really wonderful how do well, you probably will see a lot more of them eat shit for the next, like, uh, five years since half of the Labour Party are now the Lib Dems. <laughs> hey, how did, the, how did the cuck party do? Remember the cuck party? <laughs> it was meant to be Chuck. It was meant to be Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> they scream I, I, as they turn into a corn cob. Yeah, I literally, I literally know nothing about the cuck party, except for that the, the day after they formed, someone one of them went on TV and said something like extremely racist. Yeah, yeah, like yes. literally right away. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember when we when we were about to start that one of the things that we were going to discuss was was newspapers, right? Oh yeah, so. So that uh, that's actually a good dovetail from like more the like, more like more like more like poos papers. Like who's Okay, papers? first of all, nice. And second of all, it's a pretty good dovetail just from like the, the media complicity in the fact that uh, the complicity against labor. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I'm I'm gonna post something about uh, Canadian newspapers in the in the guest room. Uh, this ooh. is who the Canadian newspapers endorsed in each election. Between oh. 2006 and oh. 2015, interesting. It's a lot of blue. Any, are there any? Uh, is there? Is there? Is there any kind of uh, any kind of media monopoly going on here, or or what? Almost every one of these papers is owned by Rupert Murdoch. I see a broad hmm. debate. <laughs> Manufactured consent machine goes brrrr. <laughs> sure does. Uh, so, so I'm going to post this on the Twitter, but just so you don't have to look at it to know what I'm talking about. Almost every single newspaper has endorsed the conservatives in every single election. The rare, uh, the rare um, opposites are the Toronto Star, which almost consistently goes liberal, and Toronto Now, uh, which has gone New Democrats several times, and La Devoir, which is a Quebec paper um, that has endorsed the Bloc Québécois, and they are the only people who have done so. <laughs> I, I, I want I, I forgot that French was a language in Canada, so I was like, "There's a paper called the Devour. That's so cool." <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it just means the homework. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so 
newspapers are not doing well in a pandemic. How's that yeah. going? <laughs> yeah, so uh, what one of the... It actually uh, came out of the Labour leak thing was that uh, I think some of the initial parts of the story to break were published in the Sunday Times. Uh, and people were just screen capping it and posting it on Twitter. And then all of these like uh, kind of shock outrage type columnists from the Guardian and the Independent and all the supposed uh, opposition I guess papers uh, suddenly were like oh my fucking god this is, you're you're disrespecting the work of journalists by doing this and uh, it's basically been an ongoing thing where uh, journalists from the UK can keep saying your print media is so precious your BBC is so precious why would you hate us so much <laughs> while completely mm-hmm. holding their entire readership in like absolute contempt intellectual contempt yeah yeah oh, there, that, oh, there that has been do you remember that newspaper that like shuttered in the states last year or something and their their final like issue the cover which was like a cell phone with their website on it and it was like hope you're happy idiots <laughs> jesus christ so like Okay, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say kind of like two things here, which is I'm I'm gonna keep one relatively low key, which is I kind of study as like my job what is happening with the um, journalistic industry, and yeah. the results that I um, the piece of information that I always love from like various surveys that ask people like why aren't they engaging with news um, or why don't they want to pay for news and things like that is my favorite piece of information, which is people hate the news. This, like That's the actual <laughs> wording of it. They hate it. And that's like one they don't want to talk about because everyone wants to talk about the fact like, oh, everything's got online or like everything's being like decommodified horror. Um, but like, no, it's like they hate the news. They hate in this kind of race to be successful online. You like cheapened your own work into like just yeah. awful shit. And now Absolutely. you now you keep trying to do that even though you're like oh we're going to be prestige um kind yeah. of aspect of it we're, we'll have a paywall but on the other side it's goodish it's 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 worth it don't worry it's definitely not going to be that recipe for uh, maple pecan squares where we open it with uh, on the eve of 911 um, yeah. <laughs> never so have like, I ever seen. Never have I ever seen a shooting star, and then just the, the entire the twenty entire years kid, of rotations. Yeah, the entire kid I review, and then hey, you know hey, that, hey, Matt, this isn't post- tuning fork. <laughs> Matt, do you remember that fucking the the SATA post? That's this the fucking the uh, chunky dunk hydrating lippy. <laughs> no, the the fucking that's like the the looking for a recipe on mashed potatoes, and it's like a ten paragraph story about their childhood, and the recipe is like take a fork take butter mashed potato (laughs) (laughs) i i really like there was a tweet a while back i can't remember who did it but i love the concept because i think it's really true there is definitely like a serial serial killer out there who like writes recipes and put them online and in the opening paragraphs is telling you where the bodies are and that he did it (laughs) but no one reads it so (laughs) he's Uh, getting away with it and that that man's name oj simpson (laughs) man's name ted cruz um, okay, sorry, sorry for the if, tangent. If I, I, mash I, it. I this has been on my this has been on my mind for the last like two weeks. But it's do you remember that time that OJ Simpson killed someone and then didn't then got then got acquitted and then wrote a book that said I killed them. No, he wrote a book said I if I did it, and then the parents of the other person who was killed, the waiter that everyone forgot about, um, bought the rights to the book and then republished it so the if was really small. Yeah. <laughs> 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 is that real? Yes. <laughs> That's incredible. 
Yeah, one thing that oh. really trying to stay on topic. <laughs> Sorry. Um, of so we're talking about the failing OJ Simpson industry. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that really gets me is with the uh, the CBC, and I, I suppose across the pond, this is also true of the BBC, where mm. you'll have right wingers constantly talking about defunding them for being mm. like left wing communist propaganda, and then you like you actually read the article, and like it's nothing but right wing hack bullshit. Yeah. Like there have been there have been so many CBC articles that like framed migrants as being like pests. Like they didn't say it explicitly, but they frame it like that. And there has been so many articles talking about like the quarantine in like economic terms and it's been it's like right now basically it's that one meme from Predator where it's uh where it's uh Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers yeah, with their Carl huge Weathers. arms. They, they, he's yeah. got a stew going. Yeah, and they're they're flexing and, and, and shaking hands, and it's the left wing and the right wing, and then the joined hands is defund the CBC. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> um, like, even, like, our ostensible, like, neutral public broadcasters have been pu- pu- publishing nothing but right wing hack shit. Like, NPR... That's what NPR stands for, by the way. Neut- neutral public broadcasters. New NPR has been fucking brutal lately. Um, like they, been, what was that thing they put out this week that like fucking drove me? That like made me fucking go absolutely bonkers. Um, well, here's one from here's one from fucking today. Here and now, uh, posted on Twitter. Uh, the U.S. Postal Service is anticipating a loss of 13 billion in revenue this fiscal year due to the coronavirus crisis and another 54 billion in losses over 10 years. But the Trump administration appears opposed to bailing it out. This seems almost neutral at a first glance, but if you really, really think about it, why are they framing an essential public service as a business that's losing money and not yeah. as an essential public service that's brutally underfunded and is also, like, you know, the whole thing about the U.S. Postal Service having to pay their pension liabilities 75 years in advance? Yep. And uh, the uh, the also, like, the fact bailout is a very, like, heavily charged... Like, no one likes the word bailout. No one likes the word bailout, especially after 2008. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the NPR story that I was remembering, by the way, was that woman who, like, lied and said that her employees stopped coming to work because they wanted to collect the sweet unemployment checks. Right, right. And then it turns out that she laid them all off. Yeah, Yeah. she laid them she laid them all off and NPR just like ran that story without even bothering to talk to the people or like the because like the the way the story ran, they literally just like published a thing accusing her employees of of unemployment. Of welfare flawed, yeah. And just made no attempt to do whatever. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty brutal. So this is why we all hate our public broadcasters. And everything that's not a public broadcaster is owned by speaking Rupert Murdoch. Of hating our, speaking of hating our public broadcasters, or Matt, do you still have more? Sorry. Nope. Okay. NPR stands for Never Poo Relatics. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> uh, speaking of hating our public broadcasters, uh, CNN has finally decided to cover the Tara Reid stuff and possibly the worst, one of the worst headlines I've seen in a while. <laughs> I mean, so, first of all, they're not public. Let's Let's be clear. Yeah, right, right. But like, does the U.S. have a public broadcaster? Like, they don't have one on TV, do they? I PBS, PBS and, do- and NPR. Yeah, PBS and- is like donation funded. Hang on, I need to look they're, at they're, PBS. They, they both sure. subsist heavily off of donations because they're intensely underfunded. Yes, yeah, I believe P- PBS the, is. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Sarah. I was just gonna say, uh, public is a. Uh, it's kind of a wink, wink, public. Yeah, that's true of anything in the Publicly states, is it traded. not? <laughs> the the it's 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 NP asterisk R NP asterisk BS. 
it's I do think uh, I, it's a non-profit organization. It's not yeah. like a state body or a semi-state right, okay, body. Exactly. Yeah. And as okay. we all know, non-profits are great and we love them. Inherently good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No Nothing idea. wrong with them. I'm, th- I, I'm never not thinking about the fact that the biggest, that the uh, employer of about a third of the people in my town uh, is a non-profit uh, tandem hospital and university. Uh, they know they don't pay anything in property taxes. Like the people at the top, just like make so much goddamn money. But it's a nonprofit. The Catholic Church. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> Anyways, um, back to CNN for a bit. Um, so the big the big story of the past couple of days. Uh, this is more about the Tara Reid stuff. But um, mm. the big story of the last couple of days is that uh, someone uncovered an interview or not an interview a uh, a Larry King segment back in uh, 93 where which uh, which is like it was like shortly after uh, Tara Reid uh, claims that she was let go for rebuffing Joe Biden's sexual assault and like digital rape mm-hmm. uh, and so the the, the, Larry, the Larry King caller was not identified by name or anything but it was the call was it was like right after she had left uh, Biden Tara Reid had left Biden's office. Uh, the person was calling from uh, San Luis Obispo, uh, which is where Tara Reid's mother lived, and yeah. the and the person called in and said, "Hey, uh, so my daughter actually just left a prominent senator's office because she tried to bring it up the chain, but she wouldn't. But they wouldn't listen to her, so she kind of just had to go, and she chose not to bring it to the press out of respect for him." Um, and so CNN has decided to cover this, and here's their tweet. Biden's accuser says mother called in to Larry King Live in 1993 for advice after alleged sexual assault. Very load-bearing says right there. Yeah, and mm-hmm. mother. It, it does not identify that it is uh, her mother. <laughs> like this, this Everyone's be... somebody's mother. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, that, that is like... And the the on the clip they like read to they they did not like they they're not airing her interview they're just reading denials like Tucker Carlson ran a story about this on Friday night like there's only like the the, the media can only pretend to ignore this for so much longer and the the shift I've been I've been seeing from fucking liberals has been absolutely garish to it's been a it's been a very it's been a very quote unquote fun to watch shift where they go from he definitely didn't rape him he definitely didn't rape her and she's lying now it is I don't care if you I've seen tweets that are like I don't care if he raped a hundred women we gotta be Trump yeah and, and that's what it always was no yeah. that's that is what it always was and one thing that was is very important with this uh, with the video coming out is that the video was posted online by like a right wing rag like. Mm-hmm. An hour after the trip, the the transcript was posted, which means that they have absolutely been sitting on this and would have released it in a couple of weeks anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. like literally, they th- people were talking so much in the primary about how the Republicans are sitting on all this Bernie Oppo that they can use to sink him during the general, and like this Hillary staffer came out and said, "Yeah, we didn't have any Oppo on him. Like, yeah, there's nothing." <laughs> yeah. You can throw anti-Semitism at him, but it doesn't work. Like, that's all there is. He has a really embarrassing, folky album from, like, the 60s. (laughs) Is that anything? There's that one bad essay, which has already been talked about. The whole thing about, like, there being oppo that they're sitting on implies that there's more, but there literally isn't. Whereas with Biden, he has an entire history in the Senate of just completely garbage shit aside from the fact where he literally raped someone <laughs> yeah and like if, if they had oppo and bernie during the primary 
something would have come out like it well i mean what they had was the cuba stuff and uh him like his honeymoon in the ussr and warren warren (laughs) the whole warren thing they I also mean, tried. Awesome. Strong, uh, strong they also tried very early on that um, the Sandinistas thing, but that didn't yes. stick either. I, I, I'm, I'm sad that didn't stick because I would have loved to have said Sandernistas a lot on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, you can uh, say it now if you'd like. Yeah, oh, yeah I, did, I did just say it. Thank you, Sandersnistas. <laughs> Sanders Nista Nistas. Damn Sanders, your Nistas. <laughs> you're under like, arrest. Biggest, biggest Nistas I've ever seen. <laughs> The thing is, I would have just... I would have loved to get mad about a President Bernie Sanders. I would have, yeah. I would have been shit-talking that man every fucking day he was in office. But it would and, have been so much nicer. Yeah, and that's the thing like that the libs have had to realize, is that uh, the idea that it, there was a cult of Bernie and like we were all falling in line with him. Like we, I, I say the royal we, as in leftists. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just isn't true because, like, they knew yeah, we're, we're not horny for Bernie like the calf cramp lady was for Beto. I mean, exactly. like, the, the, yeah, the fact that like people basically just like you know that one uh, that one video where the guy does like the peace sign and then he disappears. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> us. That was us. The second Bernie said he was endorsing Biden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I we mean, knew that- he was gonna do it, but like uh, Bernie's whole fucking slogan was not me, us. Like that was literally the point. It's uh, it's like the Democrats are still surprised that like people, uh, people will see someone who's telling them what they want to hear, to to massively boil it down a little bit. Like they were so confounded by Donald Trump because he was like speaking to his base, uh, and they're like, no, this this can't be right. We're are things working right? Like the the, the guy in the suit from from Washington, like it works right. And then, uh, or the lady in the pantsuit from Washington. Yeah, and like, it's it's actually like just shit and an an effective way of energizing your base. And they're yeah. like, oh, okay, uh, right. Uh, what what can we do? Here? Democrats <laughs> Democrats literally don't understand the concept of not treating their base with contempt. Yeah, and whenever you ask a Democrat on Twitter, like, how many phone calls have you made for Biden? They're they. That's like a non-question to them. Like they don't yeah, understand like, what, what the, the, fuck? Yeah. the question why would, is. Why would you call someone? Sorry, I I, I kind of figured it out. I just want to pause this theory. Patented Kieran theory. Listen to my podcast for more. But here's another one off the top of my fucking head. Um, <laughs> so CS CS stands for Kieran's s- theories. The so this kind of goes back to the political science students as well because like. Basically, the Democratic establishment is also filled to the brim with political science students. And yeah. the, the probably the biggest problem with political science as like a specialization that you do in college is that you have to justify it. So when you justify it, you have to say that you can only understand politics if you've gone through the course. Therefore, the general public does not understand politics and should not be right. trusted with it. Yeah. I think yeah, that's exactly. ultimately what that ideology leads to. Yeah, it's like economics thinking that they're a real science because what? they went to school for it. Because they have to justify going to four, going through four years of school for something that's fake. Yeah, basically. I think yeah, because like I did like an A level in politics in high school, and I definitely for a few years came out of it thinking like, yeah, the big problem is people just don't try and learn enough about politics. And that was like 
That was just I like mean, from my school education. So if I then took that on and did that at university and kind of had that belief in my head the whole time I was learning, like what the fuck am I learning? Like oh, yeah, exactly. Like my my like secret belief after high school was that you know if the world had a benevolent dictator, then everything would be okay because obviously one person knows what's best for everyone. Right. And it took me a while to like realize how completely wrong that was. Yeah, yeah the the thing about. Yeah. The thing about that that mindset in general is just like it it comes at the the problem from the wrong way because there is like a lack of political education in the general public yeah. and that is something that does happen but like your answer should be we need to actually help do that. We need right. to and we need to have people understand their rights. They need to under we want them to understand the process. But what happens with uh with these you know, party apparatus is that they say, no, we have to circumvent them. We have to circumvent the fact that democracy exists. Well, you get, you get, you get political education in Ireland and it's mostly like, we do it in secondary school and it's mostly like, here's how our ridiculously complicated, but very good voting system works. (laughs) And then you just stare at the trolley problem for like the rest of the class. (laughs) You're like, what are you going to do? Come on. Multi-track drifting. (laughs) (laughs) congratulations you got all the people on the track you win Uh, by the way uh, unrelated good news everyone i I had to let smile out of her tank because she was like bumping up against the glass uh she just jumped out of my lap and ran straight into a wall fuck yes (laughs) uh i was just gonna say like i i don't even think it's necessarily a matter of uh increasing well like it is but i think you can't just increase understand like you can't just teach uh, understanding of politics and teach like yeah yeah, yeah. No. That, the what what the apparatus is but you also need to like remo- remove a level of two le- level or two of obscurity regarding like what like all like politics has become so obscure and it's like this labor leaks thing of like how many layers to uh, unelected labor party officials are there like how many yeah no it's are like it's a fucking party? shell game like, exactly. The, so it's the like, second you're working to understand one part of it, there's a different part of it that's influencing it. I think it's yeah. I I, I kind of misspoke. It's it's less we need to educate them and more we need to come to them where they are. Right. And it, like, it's it's fact- on uh, it's on us to make it understandable. Exactly. And like, the- and like uh, well, one other thing is is like uh, and hear me out here. Maybe the newspapers could do it. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Wouldn't that be no. fucking nice, huh? No, I'm, I'm I, just we need a to- crazy idea. I don't know how yeah. you guys feel about that. Well, I, so it, I, I, I have a friend who works at the CBC right now, and he's his job has basically just been like front level coronavirus reporting, like yeah. grabbing numbers and making them into uh, like formats that can be used in articles. So like fucking grisly, awful work to be doing right now. Uh, basically, just like you know, counting the sick and dead. Yeah. And apparently, like th- this is like unsubstantiated because it's just you know from a friend. Apparently, like, front-level reporting has a great contempt for the editorial, and I imagine that this is true in a lot of papers, because people go into journalism because they want to affect change, and then end up in an apparatus that doesn't want to do that. Yeah. Well, going back to NPR, there was that thread by someone talking about, yeah, a few years ago when I was at NPR, there was this, like, I forget what, but, like, the head person who, like, had the veto on every headline, like, had to like his job was to reword everything so that it wouldn't offend conservative listeners 
So right. no matter what you brought to him, he as, had as to... if conservatives are regularly fucking listening to NPR. So I, or I NPR should even appeal to them. <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, it doesn't. It the, has the, the word right, public. The, the right ignore the, it's it's Luigi winning Mario Party by doing nothing. The right doesn't. The right just completely ignores <laughs> NPR and they shift the Overton window like by a mile without doing a goddamn thing. Yeah. This is very unfair because while Luigi is clearly like a, a libertarian. <laughs> no, Wario's the libertarian. Waluigi's an ancom. <laughs> Waluigi is. Um, Mario's, I, a li- Mario's a liberal. Luigi is a leftist. <laughs> uh, Luigi's been very cucked, though, by Mario. It's it's very unfortunate. <laughs> oh, unbelievably cucked. <laughs> Wait, um, are, you, are you saying that Mario is? Are you saying that Mario is banging Daisy too? <laughs> yes. I say there's Mario Mario's playing Chuck Mulrin tone. <laughs> Mario, Mario fucks non-stop. <laughs> I, I, okay, my most successful tweet of all time, and I'm just going to pitch it again here, was how I, I convinced the whole world that the Mushroom Kingdom was a part of the Holy Roman Empire. Um, <laughs> and that was my only explanation for why there was a blonde woman in charge of an Italian person. So that was... Because it's the fusion of Germany and uh, Italy again. Um, maybe going seriously back to the topic, though. My... Um, my general pitch is that we should go back to um, the way newspapers used to run, which was they have a clear and stated ideology and party affiliation, and every party, every major party gets a major newspaper. This is how Japan still does it, and I think it rules. Interesting. How, how does that yeah. work? How does that work, like funding wise? How do they get ba- their papers out there? Well, the paper like generates a profit themselves. Like the paper and the news service. I'm trying to find the name of the Japanese Communist Hell Party yes. has a uh, newspaper. Japanese Communist Party, very good. Um, they have this thing. They make a bunch of mascots for their Communist Party to explain various different like. Oh fuck yes! Uh, yeah, Japan, Japan has like the the U.S. is like the U.S. has some okay sports mascots, but like Japan just has our mascot game beat. Like I, I, I that yeah, like. Japanese mascots were a severe special interest of mine back in like 2013 and 2014. I know a lot about those guys, and they're all fucking great. <laughs> Meanwhile, the U.S. has like Gritty and the Philly Fanatic, and they're the only two good ones. The um, there's, a, there's also that one with the big head that got that uh, took a nap on top of a baseball dugout and got the uh, got thrown out of the game. <laughs> so how do we make the mascot industry leftist? Oh uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna paste the picture of um, I, I will put it into the guest room, I guess of like the Japanese Communist Party's various mascots. Uh, they oh, they're all, re- all very good. They all, repre- they all represent various aspects of like their kind of um, positions. So the one with the speaker <laughs> is like a union organizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that's just the purse is like the common working man who's living from paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, the one with um, the barrel represents the free oil because the oil <laughs> is negative money now. <laughs> I take it the, the guy with the guitar is like the arts and culture you'll have yeah. to be more specific. yeah the, but thing, the thing the thing that makes japan's mascot better is that japan will make a mascot for anything and everything japan makes mascots for their sports teams obviously we've all seen that really sexy lion that's the uh, mascot for that <laughs> baseball team uh i'll post pictures <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this, is, this is all a part of their um the japanese communist party's yeah. main philosophy which is if i'm going to do this correctly isaseru uh kyosan shugi which is lovable communism. Uh, by the okay. Way, it, it's the uh, it's the Saitama Seibu Lions. 
<laughs> That's the, like the extremely hyped version of aspirational socialism that they were talking about in the Labour leadership election. The, the thing is, if we're going to adopt mascot culture in like the the Western left, we need to beat John Oliver. Because John Oliver has taken over mascots. Liberals have started to take over mascots. We okay, need to I, I, destroy John Oliver. Are you saying I, John Oliver is sort of like uh, a mascot for the kind of centrist yes yes they have this is the the angle we go go. the japanese communists also have negative (laughs) mascots for like big companies that destroy like mom and pop industries so we do evil john oliver as one of our (laughs) as one of the negative mascots yeah they have oppo mascots of like big companies and um shitty bosses but no, literally, John Oliver. John Oliver talks about mascots in other countries a lot, and also has several of his own mascots. And some of them are kind of funny. Like I'm gonna say, like John Oliver is a lib, and he has some bad points. Uh, but I think he's generally he's pretty good lib. at telling the news. He get, he gets Liverpool points. Yeah, it's just he should never be editorializing about foreign countries. I fucking hate John Oliver right now, and this is going to sound like I'm doing a bit. I'm genuinely not. He That fucking rat porn that he bought, I'm so mad about it because that is truly, like, it is, like, an artifact of furry culture. It, he does not deserve it. It belongs in a museum. I'm it not. belongs to the people. Yes, no, you are correct. John Oliver does not deserve that fucking rat porn. That has been, like... I mean, he's been... British. They, take, they steal culture and put it in museums. <laughs> Did you guys see that tweet that was like uh, the the art gallery in Animal Crossing, and it was like the British Museum, and they repatriate all yes. the artifacts. <laughs> so yeah, so bef- but like when you get the museum and it's first open and there's nothing in it, it's just like the empty pedestals and empty frames. And <laughs> that's then... that's what a British a British museum under under proper communism would yes. look like. That. <laughs> um, there's no real uh, segue here, but I wanted to talk about this before I had to leave the call. Um. My topic that I want to talk about is uh, the Canadian uh, emergency response benefit and how it is not UBI. Because, uh, Mm -hmm. for instance, last week on Worst Year Ever, which is a really good podcast, uh, but is pretty America-centric, they had a guest who basically gave Canada as an example of a country which immediately instituted the UBI when the uh, pandemic broke out. And that is not what happened. It is extremely not what happened. It is. So the the CERB or CERB or CERB fully bloated is what my the nickname Serbians. was. <laughs> is this leaving really aggressive anti-Albanian YouTube comments? Yes, that is the main. CERB uh, fully Serbi fully loaded is when they're just stocked to the brim with cum. Thank you. Oh, um, yeah. So Trudeau has these like almost daily uh, like briefings outside his house, and he's always like fifteen minutes late for them. And I guess he's just like writing YouTube comments in that time. Oh my god! For the first one, he was like forty-five minutes late. It was untenable. I'm sorry, um, but you guys just got cooked. Like that's a that's a pimp move. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. To a meeting you call outside his outside house, his which house, was, <laughs> which he was in quarantine in. He was play- he was having a really good match of Fortnite. <laughs> yeah. He was writing racist YouTube comments. Let's be real. Um, he was, no, he, was so I, he was playing Fortnite on one screen, writing YouTube comments on the other. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to go over the means testing that exists in this uh, stimulus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is like it's a changing thing like it has improved since it was uh, introduced but as of recording uh these uh guidelines are from April 17th uh Canada emergency response benefit uh qualifies for people 
who ha have been laid off or terminated, uh, sick, quarantined, or self-isolated, uh, or working parents due to COVID-19, uh, or who work but receive less than $1,000 before taxes. Yeah. Um, Which I think that was added on. Yeah, that was added on. Because I'm pretty sure it was if you were making any income in a period that you were ineligible, which actually made me ineligible for the first benefit because I was making like, I made like $100 of continuing work payment because my work decided to pay us for like two weeks and then kicked us all off. (laughs) So here are the the other uh, stipulations. Uh, You have not received uh, EI benefits in the same eligibility period, which is uh, employment insurance. Uh, you did not quit your job voluntarily. You have to reside in Canada. Uh, you're 15 years or older. Uh, and you have to have earned a minimum of $5,000 in the last 12 months. Which means you had to have filed your taxes last year, which a lot of people don't do when wait, they don't wait, make wait, a lot so, of money. So, so, sorry, I was right back. Did you just say that they needed to have earned $5,000 in the last however uh-huh. long to get access? So, so if I say was... A, a student? Who, uh, yeah, a student or, like, uh, a person who has not been able to find a job or, like, mm-hmm. someone who's living with their so, parents. Yeah, so fuck you. <laughs> so that's what it is. So it, it, they say it does not replace employment insurance, which, theoretically, if you had uh, no income in the past 12 months, you might have had employment insurance. But that obviously also comes with so many barriers. Of barriers. Would, would that, would, 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 so the money earned from employment insurance would count as $5,000 no. earned? No, so you, you, you don't. If you qualify. were on employment insurance, you just don't qualify at all. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. And like, I mean, even even just coming, like, even before you get to any of the conditions, the fact that you have to apply for it makes it not a UBI. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it, right there. You have yeah. to apply. Uh, the the CERB is it's it's only currently outlined for four twenty eight day periods. Uh, I believe they started around somewhere mid-March because they were a bit backdated. And you could apply for each of these four periods, depending on your eligibility. And you have to apply each time to get the benefit each time. Mm. So, like, it's not a UBI if you have to continually apply for it. That said, I did get my Trudeau bucks, and I immediately spent it on video games. Nice. Uh, I'm not eligible because I'm luckily my... uh, my work is still paying me, even though I'm not going into work. Uh, mm. With because I was in a mall location, like they had to close us down, so they nice. were paying us. Like at first, they're just paying us our paycheck, and then they were like, "Okay, you're gonna keep getting paid for a couple months." So I'm good for I mean, now. That's nice. <laughs> it is nice, but I don't know like what will happen after that that runs out, <laughs> because there's no like it is so convoluted. It is so. Uh, well, they, they're they're also. One of the things that they're they're trying to introduce is a federal wage subsidy right now. Mm-hmm. And essentially what that is is 75% of your wage and it said that if you are if you're on like payroll again, then you get the wage subsidy and you aren't eligible for CERB even if that wage subsidy would be significantly less money than CERB. Um, so basically no one wants their work to sign up for the wage subsidy because of this. And then, of course, um, this wage subsidy was meant for businesses impacted by coronavirus by having to close most of their uh, their business. And some of the businesses applying for it are 
payday loan centers <laughs> and airlines like Air Canada, uh-huh. which have done nothing but fuck the consumer over consistently mm-hmm. forever in the entire length uh, of their existence I, I know I've, as I know a private said, corporation. I know I've said my piece on them before, so I won't do it again, but I... Payday loan corporations make me so fucking The mad. fact that they're Scum applying... The, the fact that they're fucking applying for assistance benefit makes me want to smash their stores to the ground if that wouldn't also give them an insurance payout. All right, so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of them applying to it, but at the same rates that they provide their payday loans. Yeah, and no, no, it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It just becomes a massive revenue stream for the state. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are a lot of... Like, uh, payday loans are huge in Oshawa because uh, it's a post-industrial town where mm. there is a lot of... Um, desperation, it's sadness, it's, and misery. De- desperation, sadness, misery, and a lot of shift and part-time work because cool. basically a lot of the uh, huge... A lot of the larger employers, like, since the GM plant shut down, have been like temporary industries and people working like contract for the hospitals and stuff like that Hmm. um that said the gm factory has like whoever currently owns it i don't even know if it's gm anymore are ramping up a plan to use the gm factory which was making cars and using it to manufacture masks and uh, ppe so that's cool that's i really do like i really do like i hope that that actually comes through and then that they can use that factory for something that will have right. continual this employment afterwards. This is the factory afterwards. that uh, pe- people were agitating to be converted to like a, a Green New Deal factory, basically. to like Yes! Make- it should be making mm-hmm. trains! It should be making all sorts... Like, there's all sorts of things that we need that no one is making, in which this factory that GM didn't want anymore should have been nationalized to make. Um, yeah, it's really cool yeah. that um, like Canada's fledgling uh, transport companies such as Metrolinx in Ontario, I call them fledgling as a joke, they're a state-owned body, um, were purchasing all their trains from Bombardier originally, which is a Quebec company that takes repeated federal bailouts and is somehow yet not nationalized, and now they are buying all their trains from France. (laughs) It's cool. We love it. Like, the Um, neoliberal state is a pay pig. It's fine. (laughs) Um, That really is it, isn't it? (laughs) I do have to hop off the call now. I just wanted to quickly put in my Lightbringer, uh, which is uh, really specific. It is Chris Fleming co-hosting on Punch Up the Jam. It is. Oh my god, he's so fucking oh, the good! Exact energy that I needed to get me through these days. Oh, I'm um, gonna listen to that. If, if you if you have checked out of Punch Up the Jam since Demi left, which I know a lot of people did, um, first of all, Miel is also very funny. Yeah. And second of all, Chris Fleming <laughs> is completely unhinged, and you need to hear his episodes. And the most recent one was Fallout Boy Sugar. Sure, we're, we're going down. down yep. It's so good. Uh, um, anyway, Miel has had so, Miel has had such a chaotic energy recently, and I've, I'm kind of living for it. No, <laughs> it's <too>. so good. <laughs> all right, I have to go now. Um, thank you so much for being on, Kieran. Um, and have a good rest of the podcast, guys. Semper funny, Kieran. Semper funny. Semper funny. Um, feel free to cut this if we don't want to talk about it, because I know we said we wouldn't talk about such big, like, these kind of things normally, but it was, the the, the Canada shooting, I I know we said we wouldn't cover those too much, but the fact that it's, like, the biggest thing in, the biggest one of those in, like, Canada's history. Hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, I I don't know. I'm okay with keeping you saying that in, just so it has been brought up. Okay. Um, but yes, Canada did very much have its largest mass shooting in history, the first thing that has surpassed the École Polytechnique massacre, which happened in 1989, before I was born. Yep. Um, winning! We got it! 
We beat the record, folks. Yep, by some guy who dressed up like a cop and drove a cop car. Oh, and of course, um, naturally, the uh, coverage of him was he was remembered as a as a gentle denturist and a, a like he he was he had a passion for policing was something that was literally in one of the headlines. Um, which Ooh. as if as as if that's a good thing and not an inherent red flag. And a lot of people were making comparisons to um, the art, the article coverage when Tina Fontaine died. Uh, she was a young indigenous woman who would faced a lot of abuse and was found in a river. And um, the headlines after her autopsy were performed was she was found with drugs and alcohol in her system. This is a 16-year-old who was murdered, and that was the headline that she got. And this guy who went and killed a bunch of people, including cops... Which like usually they're you know, they're a little harder on cop killers. Um, no, he was he had a passion for policing and was was a gentle man. So that's the entire amount of discussion about about that. But let's just say um, there are a lot of reasons why I'm pissed off with Canadian media this week, and not just the ones I'd already talked about. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about you want to talk about some fun some fun Canada news? Yeah, sure. Before that, I'm really thirsty, but water's a little bit too expensive right now, so I'm just going to go take a big old sip of oil. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Ever since the last episode we fake. did, the last episode we did, um, I was talking about how oil had dipped below the price of a barrel of monkeys toy. Barrel of <laughs> monkeys bracket toy. Um and it has gone significantly lower. So the uh, Western... In the, in the States, it bottomed out at negative $40. Yeah, so there are there are two um, oil stocks that are that make up like the North American oil market. There's Western Canadian Select, which is the one I was talking about last time. Um, and that one is the one that's mixed with the dilutant that ended up actually more expensive than the oil. And I was and the, saying... The other one was called Eastern Canadian Start, right? No. <laughs> uh, so basically... <laughs> Um, the whole point there was that at that point, the oil already technically had a negative value because the only thing that gave it any nominative positive value was the value of the dilutant. And then it actually went to a fully negative value. And then Western Texas Intermediate, which is like the, it's not a marginal oil product. It's ostensibly better oil that people will actually be able to use even when it's not like the whole thing about Western Canadian Select is that it's only a valuable product when oil price is over, like, $70. Mm-hmm. So you can see how staking all their futures on that was a great idea for Alberta. Yeah, finite resources. Numbers always go up. <laughs> the numbers always go up. Um, we'll but yeah, so oil. Even Western, even when, even Western it's Texas really... Intermediate fell below okay, zero, which is so now, fucking funny. Now more than ever, it is imperative that we make Jurassic Park so we can keep making yes. oil. Yes, that is going to be the plot of the next movie because they are fresh bum out of ideas. Oh my god, Chris God, Chris Pratt probably signed up for like a quadrilogy of that shit, didn't he? Oh, oh yeah. for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and yeah, no, I, I, speaking I of Jurassic I Park, I did see a very good tweet um, that was like, I always thought it was unrealistic that they kept reopening Jurassic Park despite the death toll, but yes, yeah. and then they just kind of gesture at everything. <laughs> oh god, did we even talk about that? Did you did, did we even talk about the fucking astroturfing that's been happening with all this? Sorry, I know we're talking about oil right now, but I just I think I think economy. that rather than discuss coronavirus, which we have managed to mostly avoid doing on this episode, <laughs> I'm gonna say listen to the the worst year ever which I think does very good coverage of the amount that those protests are astroturfed. So it's basically like, yes, they are, but it's that's not that simple. 
there are definitely people showing up at these things that oh, intend to be yeah. there and um, it's, you, it's there, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of people who make a living on the conservative grift industry yeah, yeah. yeah for and sure. those they, people um, those people's specialty is starting shit not continuing yeah. shit but starting shit and also, letting like, other tea, people continue was, to do it yeah the tea party was started by shit but it you know was picked up by real people the yeah. uh, the rochester the the reopened rochester not to, sorry to dox myself i guess but the reopened rochester movement uh, actually it uh, organized in the next town over because rochester is a uh, a downtown city which means there's a lot of black people and they yeah. didn't want to go to downtown because it's scary <laughs> i also really like how sweet it was when you said that this topic was unrelated to oil because <laughs> it very yeah. much is <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, this also, it's just, if, imagine if our oil-dependent economies had decided to move earlier to a, a green economy that, by all accounts, actually creates more jobs and is better for the environment, and in general will move us off of a finite resource, and the whole world wasn't run by rich oil jerks who who all themselves understand that oil is a declining resource and have divested their own profit interests into other technology while essentially just trying to trick governments into paying them so that they can make it profitable for as long as possible yeah because that's all it is it's just it's a propaganda arm to just squeeze the last bit of blood out of the stone before so, they abandon oil wholesale and abandon all the workers at the same time. I think I said this last time too, but nonetheless, so, it still holds. Okay, okay. So there's one thing I would like to add to that, which is I like how much credit you're giving to these people, but a lot of them really held on to this oil's keep, going to keep on going thing for so long. Oh yeah, and, for sure. But like these, I, these are these are from like their their actual like the, the their like leaks and filings from their like board meetings. So like they'll they'll publicly go on about how oil is going to go up forever, but a lot yeah. of the people who actually finance the industry itself very much understand where the wind is going, right? Oh sure, sure, sure. But like I'm I'm talking about the people who have like the direct one to one connection between oil prices and their own personal wealth. I am talking about like the Governments. Saudi no Saudi royal family. Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah. the Saudi royal family is what's been pumping a lot of money into a lot of shit for a very very long time. So the really fun thing we need to look out for is what NGOs, uh, public policy units, uh, think tanks suddenly disappear conveniently at this time uh, for whatever reason. They won't really state why. And also, every direct to consumer startup is gone. So many startups are gone right. because all venture capital money was like. Saudi princes with too much oil money that couldn't invest the money nationally in any meaningful way. So they all like invested in like uh, the 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 Uber for cactuses. And oh god, <laughs> that's like yeah. all gone now. I mean, that's a positive, isn't it? Yeah, we don't need I, any of these things. Although one of the things that the 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 Saudi royals bought was the Canadian wheat board, which was a um, it was a, a essentially a bulk buying. So that all Canadian wheat was bought and sold in bulk to help control price and also to help farmers, you know, make good money off of their stock so that they can, you know, continue to produce wheat. Um, it was it was a system that was good and was working and was just kind of sold off to venture capital, which ended up mostly being Saudis. And now we're in a point where a bunch of people are letting their potatoes rot in the field while food banks are out of food. Doesn't it capitalism great in a system that works? It's such we a good system. It. It's such a good system. 
uh, one oh. more thing about oil because uh, this I, I I have no idea. This might have happened before our last episode. I have literally no concept of time, as none of us seem to. Um, did, remember how Canada uh, was building a pipeline to, this, and then the United States said no. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, this is not the this is not the um this is the not the Dakota uh not, um sorry I'm I'm mixing up all my pipelines this is not the transatlantic pipeline right no that, that this is the Keystone XL okay, this is the one yeah. that's going that's going through the northern states whereas the, the one that the Wet'suwet'en protests are about yes. is uh that's a natural gas pipeline right okay thank so you. so Keystone yeah. XL is for oil and I was confusing also that with the with Dakota Access which is a states thing. Um, yeah, but yeah, that so that's fun. Just Canada. Uh, I I think you'd probably know a little bit more about the history of the Keystone XL, Matt, uh, just because it was a it, it was a Canada thing, right? Like, yeah, I mean Trudeau pushed for it, and the Alberta government pushed for it, and nobody else wants or likes it. Yep, and then the United, and then they just spent so much money and time on it, and the United States said, and then the United States just pressed their lips to the mic and said no. <laughs> the thing, the thing is, is that even in a good, uh, even in an ostensibly non-bottomed out oil market, um, Western Canadian Select is a marginal oil product that may, does not make enough money. As unless, as I said, oil is well over like fifty dollars a barrel, like closer to seventy dollars a barrel, and yeah. it just hasn't been that in so long, and it's never getting back there. And none of the oil jobs are coming back anyway because oil companies in Alberta spent most of the economic downturn from the initial crash in oil prices um, turning all their workers into automation so they don't have to pay them anymore. Like, the jobs aren't coming back. The money isn't coming back. Even if the pipeline was made, no one wants our shitty oil. So just keep it in the fucking ground. Yep. In this uh, economy? <laughs> <laughs> Keep it uh, in the fucking ground. I lost uh, all my money in oil, so the only solution is to drill more oil to sell money for oil money. Wait, hang on. <laughs> you, you need to buy negative oil. You need to. You need to give them. They, they need to give you a million dollars, and then also a million dollars worth of oil because it's worth negative money. Hmm. There's definitely. There's definitely a scheme in here somewhere. Yeah. There's a scheme in here somewhere. We just need to figure it out. I feel like this we're is the always. We're gonna spend enough. all our Patreon money on oil. Oil's <laughs> definitely old, going back up, folks. This podcast <laughs> exploits the oil crisis. <laughs> uh, is there anything else before we move on to the final topic, which is Joseph Biden's fun ads? <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so so I, I just want to talk about the real one first, which is like the fucking the the extremely racist one that's like. President Trump wants to be a wartime president. Well, he's not doing a very good job of it. He was too e- he went too easy on the Chinese. Yeah, like yeah. okay. So you know the reason why turnip prices and Animal Crossing are so low? The Chinese. Do you know why you can't get up in the morning? The Chinese. It's it's everything is their fault. It's Russia. It's Russia too. <laughs> Russia too, but with better food. God. Yeah. No. I I saw that. I'm like. You remember that one tweet that came out like three days after the 2016 election that's like, the Democrats are going to see all this and they're going to think the answer is we need to get more racist? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fucking evergreen. It, it works every time. Yeah. It really is just the eternal strategy is, okay, it didn't work. Let's move to the right again. Let's get more racist. Uh, let's scapegoat. That it's, clearly it's... seems to work for them. And our bases are identical because we just see them as the voting plebs. Like, like we so don't... I... 
like obviously obviously the fucking obviously the democrats would never lift a finger to help minorities but the fact that they're doing all this shit and like not paying not giving like any uh attention to the fact that like asian americans are being extremely just are are like just absolutely going through it in the states right now oh yeah and also well especially yeah because like americans can't even tell different asian americans apart yep so it's it's much like after 9-11 how anyone who was even remotely brown Mm, uh was targeted for attacks I also maybe it's just that I'm, like, overestimating Americans, but, like, who actually gives a fuck if Donald Trump said he was going to be a wartime president and he's not? Like, people who love rattling sabers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, it's... it's... War, war, is the, war is the only context in which the United States... Like, everything... It's, you know, there's a war... It's a war on crime. It's a war on drugs. It's yeah. a war on the coronavirus. It's a war on everything. I know that I know that language is, like, not not just limited to the States, but, like, we yeah. sure do love that yeah, shit, and goddamn sure. do we love war. But then the thing they is, is like, the people who that kind of rhetoric appeals to are going to see one Donald Trump tweet that's, like, a fucking shit post with Joe Biden's face photoshopped onto something and, and the, immediately the pro- they'll go back over like the, you can't just like pop up and be like he's not he's not a real soldier and then yeah it's just terrible i think the problem with the problem with this is there are like uh, the one other aspect of like war language is is when you frame it as war you can frame the opposition as being on the side of the virus yep. i mean yeah like that's what Hungary has been doing when they said they were at war with coronavirus and then said everything that Viktor Orban doesn't like is on the side of coronavirus. Oh yeah, uh, Hungary was the Hungary was the country that had the the just like the full the the full like takeover, right? The yeah. fucking dictator now. Yeah, he he can rule by decree now yeah. and he's uh, I've, got, use I've that- got I've got your corner I've got your corner spady episode on that uh, <laughs> next in my uh, next in my podcast queue. Good. So it's mad depressing. It. <laughs> Yay. Did you did you ever wonder how protecting a population from a virus could be turned into transphobia? Now you know. That was like the first thing he passed, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It was yep. like all they, Hungarians uh, have to use the pronouns they were born with. Yep. Uh, if you want to hear more about that, also by the way, I really recommend the uh, the uh, coronavirus is covering up uh, an attack uh, an attack on trans people. The uh, worst year ever episode. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's that's more states focused, but they do talk about uh, Hungary. But like, it, like it it doesn't it doesn't matter that the like DNC like the the Democratic head office is basically the Price is Right board, except with all pictures of various like ethnicities from an eighteen hundreds like. At, like phrenology textbook that they spin <laughs> and just be like who are we gonna blame this time last year it was the slavs um let's so... pop out the skull and calipers <laughs> yeah basically um i'd like it'll circle a background i'm looking for the 2024 election when it's just like it's the damn irish um so that'll be good again um <laughs> the troubles too yeah <laughs> they all keep coming over on their famine planes <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but like, I guess we could move on to talking about the the. I I shouldn't decide when we move on to things. I'm the guest. <laughs> Hang on. Well, I was yeah, I was I was about to bring up the the other Biden ad. Yeah, okay, so, so <laughs> Matt, tell me about were, this one. Yeah, the other Biden ad is one where it's like it's it's Joe Biden smiling and there's like a glowing light over his heart. It says yeah. his brain, no, his heart. <laughs> And it's not a real ad. Oh, I thought I that is why people keep getting banned for posting it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. It nice. took me so long to understand. Like basically, people were posting about this ad with like jokes, as one would do when you see an ad that bad. 
Yeah. And they were getting banned for posting uh, something that, like Twitter only Misleading has one filter. Yeah, they only have one. Ta- they only have one ban tag for informate for uh, for election and politics related stuff, and it's misleading voters. When like they should just have a tag saying it's not a real ad, and then maybe people would understand why they were getting banned for posting it. Yeah, like friend of, friend of the pod, uh, former host of the pod, Brooks, uh, yeah, was uh, tragically a victim of this. He made, I, I don't remember what his very funny post was, but... Uh, it was about oh, Scrappy-Doo yeah. being yeah. dead in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> it was about Scrappy-Doo. God damn, I keep pressing the F key, but nothing happens. <laughs> God, remember when yeah. Scrappy-Doo said scrot? <laughs> yes, but the, basically, um, I... Honestly, it's it's kind of embarrassing how easily duped we all were by it. But at the same time, it kind it's of says so something real. about the Biden campaign that it was something that we saw as realistic. Well, also, they probably like, had to move to request about? Twitter to take it down because they were like, oh, my God, they've got a beat on this fucking campaign. They know, like, so, okay. yeah. our messaging. Okay. Oh no! It was leaked. Let's claim it was fake. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you remember? Uh, do you remember that time? By the way, that uh, remember that time like uh, five thousand years ago when uh, someone did like a, a thing at their comedy show where they pretended to have everyone do the moves like Bloomberg dance, and everyone thought it was real for a little bit because yeah. it just seemed kind of like legitimate. Yeah. Given that, given that the Bloomberg meme team was like photoshopping his face onto a meatball. I, I feel like, I feel yeah. like it's it's very mean to blame people for like reality has just entered so far into oh, the void. No, I'm, not, I'm not blaming them. Like I, oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. got duped by that also. Like I fully believe that was real for like a, a good hour or so after I first saw it. But it we also, all, it also we all deserve. Says, sorry, we all deserve yeah. sympathy because reality has just gotten this bad that things like this are believable. Yeah, yeah I, I think someone uh, someone on Twitter who I cannot remember really put it succinctly when they said it really all said what's happening with reality when one of the people involved in the um, in the leaks that uh, that Chelsea Manning was implicated for was named Reality Winner. Um, yes. When that happened... For the longest, for for like a, a week after that, after that, the, like for the week after I saw that start for the first time, I truly thought that they were like uh, purposefully obscuring her, yeah. like actual name, and they were just like set, talking about her as like someone who won a, re- a TV, uh, like a, like she won Survivor once. <laughs> no, that's literally that was literally just her, her fucking handle. name. That was her handle. Like everyone thought that was like her like hacker handle or something. No, that's just her fucking name. And that was, I think that was where we entered into the alternate timeline where someone who thinks this shit is really funny is controlling the simulation and it's really pissing me off. And I'm about to Truman show my way the fuck out of here. <laughs> the door out of here has to be somewhere. Uh, okay, but I can, can I give you some Biden campaign uh, update that is real yes. and is also terrifyingly surreal. Wait, hold uh, on. Before, before we do that, there's a joke that uh, Alex wanted us to say before, oh yes, yes, uh, before uh, she left, which is uh, when, when uh, she just said, when you talk about the Biden ad, please say electability is stored in the heart. <laughs> <laughs> it is good joke. And given that Joe Biden has been dead for uh, over four weeks now, uh, it's stored nowhere. God, yeah, he is, so, he is dead, isn't he? Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, I can't believe anyone on this podcast would stand in the way of our first deepfake president. <laughs> <laughs> that would explain why that would explain why all he can say is gibberish. Yeah. It's the, the impressionist has only really he, got his like, 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 tone of voice. Nailed. 
I really so like what's, what's the very Joe, real update? Joe Biden, Joe Biden is a procedurally generated deep fake. <laughs> I know. I, I think it's going to be like there's a really great movie in this of just like you know the Men in Black storming storming uh, Mia Khalifa's house and telling her she's the only person who can be the pre- she's now the president because this technology only maps successfully onto porn stars. So we need you to pretend to be Joe Biden for four years, oh maybe eight. Oh my god, the fucking I I'm. Completely completely blanking on the name of those that fucking rap <laughs> group quote unquote that did the song about her so what you're saying is that joe biden has massive dobanka honkaroos <laughs> that's my president just that's... huge bonkana hooks just big big old hama bonga bonga lagongas we, we we will we hopefully in november we will be going from our first wet president to our first milky president when are we getting the world's first mega milk president (laughs) when are we getting our first big titty president god we could have had hillary (laughs) okay but here's the real thing here's the real thing that's kind of tragic so there is like a um an interest group like a what do you call it like i think it's a super pack it is a super pack yes um that is got an absolutely terrible campaign name they're backing biden 2020 and their campaign is by dawn b-y-e-d-o-n <laughs> That's, because that, that is my favorite uh tully in a song of ice and fire right <laughs> but like it's meant to be by donald trump but like it actually is going to be like a bumper sticker by the biggest donald trump fans ever because it makes it it just sounds like goodbye joe biden yeah, yeah, it, 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 it truly just looks like an, a quest-giving NPC's name in, uh, in Final Fantasy XIV. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to go. You have to go speak to Bieden in the Waking Sands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so uh, Joe Biden's gonna lose. Yep. Yeah. Especially with uh, our campaign, it's, Don, it's okay, Donald though. Trump is like saying it's goodbye okay, to though, him. The, it's okay though; they're going to replace him with uh, sexy Governor Cuomo, who cut like billion, who cut like two billion in like public funding to like literally today at time of recording. Oh, you gotta love it! But remember that, he, remember that, that time that he said New York State was produ- or New York City was producing new hand, uh, fresh oh, hand sanitizer yeah. to everyone, and then it turned out to just be a bunch uh, something that a bunch of prisoners were making, and uh, that and they, if they weren't even afford. making it; they were just repackaging existing hand sanitizer from someone who was friends with the Cuomo campaign, and they weren't even able to like get any of their own, and like they're still like massive out there, like oh pr- prisons in New York State, New York, like the world, the country over, but like New York State especially because it is like one of like the hotbeds of of COVID. sorry to talk yeah. about COVID, we get so far without doing it's it, dense yeah like the god i hate cuomo so fucking much he's like the thing about this is that i know new york city what you're saying is that you are not a cuomo sexual i'm not a cuomo sexual no cuomo frustrates me because i i feel like the rest of the state is getting like and i reckon i do recognize that new york city is extremely like a hotbed of this stuff right now but at the same time i feel like he's just become the governor of new york city and the rest of the state is just kind of like Shrug. Yeah, yeah, it does seem like that kind of just happens a lot. The county that I live in uh, is, uh, like, there has been a good number of, like, outbreaks. And, like, we're not, we're not like, we're, we're not, like, we're not, like, you know, overrun with it. But there have been a number. It just feels like the entire thing is, you know it's he 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 and he and uh de blasio are now just like kind of fighting over who gets to lead new york city yeah yeah, yeah no he sucks 
I, I just, I think what really it comes down to is the fact that the healthcare system in the United States doesn't make any fucking sense. Because I was, I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in uh, Providence, and he works as a courier for a uh, the, the the basically the hospital, the largest hospital chain. First of all, he said the phrase hospital chain, um, which that that already broke me. Yeah. And then he told me that this the the people who own the hospitals in Providence are headquartered in California. Sick. Regular. So like, and then also that he who works as a courier for these hospitals, which you think would be in high demand, uh, just got furloughed and is no longer getting work or pay. Cool. When you would think that he should be getting a pay increase, more work, and also personal protective equipment, but instead was basically just forced to courier things to and from hospitals without any protection whatsoever, unless he bought it. Yeah, my mom is my mom works at a hospital. My sister does too. They get one. They get one mask a week. They keep it in paper bags. It's yeah. So like, and like fucking Canada's not doing great on that front either. There's a lot of fundamental mismanagement yeah, and we PPE, really the, we really don't have time to get into at this point yeah, the the, PP, the ppe is just like the the, gov- the 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 government is literally just like seizing things like virginia like had a huge shipment of masks on their way and the federal government was like no we're gonna take that to the stockpile deuces mm. and so virginia is just being kind of left out in the cold and it's yeah. very obvious i think we talked about this already on the last episode but like it's very obvious that trump is just like denying the democratic states uh any as much as he possibly can well it's like it's states with jet with democratic governors and there's it's it's fucking weird as hell because there's states with democratic governors that went for him in the last election like like virginia and michigan who both have democratic governors both went for trump yeah, but the thing is, they're gonna see, they're gonna, they're gonna like be, they're just gonna be like, oh, there's a shortage of PPE, and they're gonna be like, oh, those, the damn governor, I hate that guy, yeah. grr. Like they're not gonna, they're they're not gonna say that, like you know, they're not gonna say that the Lord and Savior Trump was like at fault here. It's the governor's fault for not. It's brutal. It's the government. Yeah. Anyways, uh, this really that really boils down to the point we got to earlier, which is like we need to get to these people where they are. Yeah. Yeah. And essentially convince them that the government, in this case. All right, I'm, assume, I'm assuming direct control of this podcast so that we can fucking end it. Uh, yeah, no, we're going to Lightbringers. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so uh, I guess, Karen, what's your Lightbringer this week? Oh, okay, my Lightbringer. Uh, uh, I have like a second one, but I'll bring that up towards the end because I think I, uh, I'll have an opportunity later to say it if everyone's going to be super nice to me. But yeah, yay! Uh, <laughs> the actual, uh, so another Lightbringer of mine has been that there was a tweet that went kind of viral and ratioed about... Um, Kyle Kulansky complaining about how Sean should be spelt S-H-A-W-N or S-H-A-U-N and not S-E-A-N, <laughs> which as someone who is a fierce defender of the Irish language and how it's uh, the, yeah, way, yeah. <laughs> the way it's written makes way more sense than English. I went off. This was a tweet for me and it made me very happy. I've never been able to successfully pitch like Irish orthography as like a thing I can tweet about, but I did it. <laughs> Sean, Sean, uh, w- can you imagine the the kind of world we would be in if it was S H A U N Bean? <laughs> um, the thing is, is that is how his name is actually spelled, and he chose the other way to no. make it look like that. Sean. Wait, really? Yeah, no, that You're Sean lying. Bean. I like, look it You're up. Fucking lying. Holy so, fucking so, shit, dude! So it's also hang on, hang on. I think I have to explain this thing that only Holy works fuck. if you. This only works if you understand the Irish language, but. He's also kind of spelling his name wrong again, because when you spell S, <laughs> when you spell S E A N, you're meant to put a, an accent mark over the A, 
that makes it Sean and not Shan. He's actually Shan Ban, which means old woman. <laughs> it means old woman. Good, good, good. <laughs> oh. But yeah, no, yeah. Uh, really fun thing for everyone who didn't know that to know is that he changed the spelling to make it like that. Oh my God. Which did I think know, is a baller move. Did you know that my, did you know that my man has been divorced four times? <laughs> He's 61? <laughs> yeah. Every, 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 every former partner was just like, I thought you were going to live to the end in this one. I just can't be with a man like that. Okay, I'm here by announcing my resignation from the podcast. I'm about to start. Yeah, clearly they haven't watched National Treasure, where he very much does live till the end of that movie. (laughs) I've heard he was in that movie. God. It's a good movie. Um, My Lightbringer this week is, um, in like the times of quarantine, my brain has steadily turned into a fine mush. So I have been seeking just things to stimulate the brain a little. From the old pits of YouTube. And I have actually found a couple of channels that have really scratched the itch of, like, something cool being built. Um, Which is always my favorite thing. I was, was like, a big slut for how it's made marathons Mm. whenever they were on. You know, Mm. you just kind of sit and veg and watch the machines do some cool shit. Uh, So the two channels that I have been looking at have been uh, Look Ma No Computer. Oh, that's so good. Yep. Yeah, and he is he That's is making a machine guy, right? that is for. Hmm? That's the guy that made the Sega synth, right? Yes, he made a Sega synth. That was one thing that came out recently that he did. Uh, the thing that I have been watching the most of is he is making a giant synth out of forty-eight Game Boys. Oh. Yeah. yeah, fuck yeah! And the other person that okay. the other person I've been looking at has been Wintergotten, who in twenty sixteen made the video called Marble Machine, which Maple may remember because yeah. it was hugely viral. I found out earlier this week that he has been making a sequel for four years. He has, been building, he has been building a new marble machine called the Marble Machine X, where all the parts are updated. He has, like, machine-built metal parts for it. He has been, like, he, he'll, he'll post a video where he's like, I've made my new marble machine as accurate timing as a, like, professional drum machine. And this is something that is dropping marbles onto a drum. Yeah. And he has like he has like a race track on the back end of it just for the sake of having a marble run, which I have talked about the Marble Olympics and Marbula One and Gel's Marble <laughs> Runs before. Um they're very much things I already enjoy and have been very good in the time of absolutely no sports. Uh just watching Marble Run and professional Tetris videos. Um also would highly recommend both of them. They're very fun just for your eyes. Just just see see the things move. It's fun. Sports um, stopping. Sports stopping hasn't stopped esports from stopping. So I'm still watching. You know. Yeah, the, exactly. The, the, yeah, the, League, of, the League of Legends tournaments. It has started so, everyone being put into the "you might be interested in esports" advertising category because yeah. those ads have gotten super aggressive. Oh my! Yeah. I, I, my um my something about my uh, YouTube browsing has taken to just getting the worst mobile games advertised to me. <laughs> like it's it's all it's all like blank of blank. Uh, you know, Rise of Kingdoms, Age of War, Raiders. like fucking whatever the shit. All of all I things. all I get are professional Pokemon videos, which is fine because I do have a Pokemon podcast. The, YouTube tried to drop a fucking twenty-two minute ad on me yesterday. But yeah, no, it's it's a it's a kind of a running joke that the only sports I like are alternative sports. I literally am uh, an admin of a sports focused group on Facebook. Mm. Um, 
and all I post are things about the spelling bee, which has been sadly canceled for 2020. We are not getting uh, the scripts bee this year. Uh, I post about marble racing, and I post about uh, Deadspin name of the year. And Deadspin, or Undeadspin rather, the former writers of Deadspin, are actually running a name of the year bracket this year, as well as Roy's bracket that has been running in the PGOT and HKIP Discord servers. So we get two name name of the year. You get two this year. That's a that's a backup lightbringer. Um, just so everyone knows. Name of the year is happening, and also name of the year is happening from Roy. We get two. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, my lightbringer this week is going to be. Did I recommend uh, Villainous Isekai last time? Does anyone? Remember? I believe so. Yeah. Okay, so I won't recommend that. It's good. It's good as shit, though. I, I, I will say that again. Um, I I, I want to recommend the new Digimon series, but it's on hiatus currently. Mm. The first three episodes yeah. are really good, but like it's like kind of on pause because of everything. Um, I know I recommended the show before, but uh, I'll recommend it again because it's on its second season now. Uh, Ascendance of a Bookworm. It's uh, a really, really good... It's just like... It's a really different isekai, which is like... I, I'm a sucker for isekai. Like, I never finish them, but I'm always drawn in, and they always kind of suck shit. But um, Ascendance of a Bookworm has kept me on because it's just... It's really fun. It's really cute. Like, it's... the It, it takes a little while to get going, but uh, this second season is really just kind of off to the races. I'm super interested, even though, like, the current episode... The episode Episode I'm in the middle of a, the episode that I'm in the middle of is just like about like the 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 mechanics of high society in this universe and it's it's on paper it doesn't sound very interesting but in practice it's great mm-hmm. because the main character is is great it's a really it's just a really cute and fun show it's been a really nice salve for my brain. I'll check it out. Um, my light bringer this week was Succession. I just finished Succession, which is the most <laughs> uh, guy in a podcast thing ever. Um, all the rich white folks are going to argue. <laughs> all, yeah, all that means is that we get to put Demi's succession rap over the credits. Oh, so. yes. And then whoever's like, just it's come to win. all I've been thinking about all week since I finished <laughs> it. Like, I literally can't spend like 10 seconds in my flat in silence without going, who's going to get a kiss from daddy? Like, uh, it's just been fucking out of control. But, uh, it's so funny. It's like... I, I immediately after I finished Succession started Devs, that FX sci-fi show. How is that? I, I, uh, I've been meaning to get into it because it's Alex Garland and I trust him with my life. Right, so I wouldn't Garland? recommend else, watching it straight after Succession because it was like the whiplash of going from like some of the funniest script, like tightest script writing to an Alex Garland. John might not have been the best idea. I really like Alex Garland mm. and I was looking forward Alex to Alex Garland did Ex Machina and wrote 28 Days Later. And Annihilation. Okay. Um, and and did the Annihilation movie, yes. Oh, poggers. Um, but, so, it, well, so, first of all, Succession is, like, the best moral tale I've ever seen. And, like, pro- it's already my favourite TV show a week after, like, fully digesting it. I just think it was, like, fucking brilliant. I can't wait for it to come back. Um, but Devs is, like, the softest sci-fi Alex Garland's ever done. Like, it feels like the kind of really, really strong sci-fi... Uh, fiction that is coming out just in like novel form at the moment like it's got the kind of like soft tech um sort of present tech dystopia type of thing but nick Mm -hmm. offerman's in it so it was interesting Mm. to see nick offerman in like a different role to what he usually plays and he plays it well Mm -hmm. but the script is so thick with exposition and like um in a good way or a bad way in a bad way and i I, Uh. i watched the first three episodes and then just read the rest of the plot and I think, like, the ideas it was playing with were probably very, very cool, but the idea that they landed on in the end is really, really poor. So, if, if you're expecting, like, something like Ex Machina or Annihilation, I wouldn't recommend it. 
I just watched Succession okay. instead. Hmm. <laughs> Might just watch Succession then. It's so good, Matt. It's so <laughs> fucking good. I mean, this is the fucking time to be watching an ass load of TV. Yeah, yeah. Or movies. If you, if uh, anyone hasn't uh, been checking out our Discord lately, we've been streaming a movie every weekend. Yep. We and uh, it's we been did, fucking great. Like we did, we Summer, did Wars Summer Wars yesterday. yesterday. Oh, I cried so hard. It is such <laughs> a good movie. There's just like ten minutes. In the, there's just ten minutes in the middle of that movie that's just nonstop bawling for me. Yeah, and it's just like ah, uh, it's it's been it's been really good time for for uh, for entertainment, which is like why it's really frustrating that like you know a lot of uh, governments are using this as a time to cut arts funding. Yeah, uh, Karen, did you say you had another uh, Lightbringer, or did you already say your two? I, I, I have one if it were at the end of the podcast and we're allowed to do plugs. Oh, go, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yay. All right. My name's Kieran. I do a podcast called Corner Spatey. I'm the sexy one. It's uh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, okay, so the thing that's been the light bringer is we have a problem where Corner Spatey is like, has a very German word at the end of it, Spatey, that has an umlaut. And then we have to explain to people that when you don't have an umlaut available, you have to write A-E instead of just A. It's, it's been terribly confusing for everyone who doesn't Could, speak German. So, so hypothetically, could I instead replace A-E with Ash, and that would do the same thing as A with an umlaut? Uh, <laughs> so this is the problem that's been caused <laughs> uh, for anyone who's not German this has been a massive problem so we finally got our like top level domain we finally got our domain name and I'm very happy because it's the dumbest domain name ever uh, so if you want to check out the podcast and all the stuff that we're doing please go to operationglad.io uh, so <laughs> I'm very happy about that is that, is that a Final Fantasy 15 joke? Operation Gladio? No, it's the fucking NATO stay behind armies that were all funded by the CIA and then turned all the European countries fascist. Oh, okay. I, I, just, I, rec- I recognized Gladio and my brain said, oh, anime boy. <laughs> I mean, I would- know- knowing the way that anime treats Western references vis a vis. Evangelion using Christianity because it looks cool. I wouldn't be surprised if that was just a direct reference with no actual substance behind it. All Catholic nuns are really well endowed and hunt vampires in their spare time. (laughs) That's what anime taught me. (laughs) Oh, uh, Kieran. uh, Yes. Barely related, but were you um, uh, on the corner of Spady like a couple weeks ago? Actually, it would have been a month ago because I'm uh, way behind. (laughs) Were you the one that recommended Food Wars? Yes. I tried watching that and like five. I had to quit five minutes into the first episode. Does it oh get no, better? you no, you can't do that. No, you have to watch the end. I'm not going to spoil anything for you. So you have to watch. So after that really bad visual of the girl getting fucked by tentacles, it does get better. <laughs> oh no, it's more of that. But it, becomes, <laughs> <laughs> it becomes hilarious and surreal because the animators are faced with the problem of how do we depict visually people enjoying food? So good food causes orgasms and bad food is like weird, horrible sexual assault scenes. And it's insane. Oh, that sounds it is insane. terrible. <laughs> I also strongly recommend switching from the, like, sub to the dub halfway through because all the people have voices you do not expect them to have. It's amazing. And then he goes to the food school where it's a really good school and you know it's a good school because 97% of the students fail. That's what a good school is in Japan when you fail all the students. That sounds like engineering. (laughs) 
it's so good i'm sorry um but yeah no if you have like um uh, you know uh, trigger warnings around sexual assault and stuff maybe give it a pass yeah but <laughs> it, it, it does it does not wait no no it does not um uh, but also I, I, I it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't um it doesn't discriminate against uh, sexes so if you want to see a bunch of guys orgasm from good food that also happens i would love to see that <laughs> Uh, okay, so I think okay, yeah. Now we do the the wrap up. Hold on, I, yep. I have to I have to go to the, the seventeen clicks to get to the actual list of patrons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die. Not a threat, just a fact. Uh, if you want to find us, we are uh, HKIPGTD everywhere. That includes uh, Twitter, Tumblr, uh, Facebook. Don't go on Facebook. Uh, Reddit, thank you, Reddit user Bisexual Punch Party, for uh, moderating that for us. Um, and Patreon, patreon.com slash HKIPGTD. $1 a month gets you access to any of the bonus content we've done before. Uh, we've been doing some talks about like extended Lightbringers coming back uh, because some of us uh, have not, some of the hosts have not been able to like, uh, you know, hit the recording time. So some of them want to like just do a, you know, a Lightbringer talk just to, you know do that so that might be coming down the pipes uh five bucks a month get your name right on the podcast and uh special role in the discord 10 bucks a month gets all that stuff and you also get to listen live uh if we happen to be recording at a time when you can so thank you very much to your sapphic minecraft bee wife hmm burgermeister stephanie ruff pregnant seinfeld david besser alex schaup summer geist tufster mcgee john hill rain raven patrick van brunt alex h jacob sears neve noel williams Win, Bryce, a sexual fish tank, Ashinu, Alex Hoot, Maximilian Rower, Brian, Nick Clarkson, Jane Wick, Destry Hawk, Pierre the Disaster, The Tallest Jew, Non-Binary with Left Beef, Dijonese, Chaz Goblin, and Paul Blart Flesh Cart. We do love Paul Blart Flesh Cart around here. Uh, thank you very much to the taxpayers for the use of our uh, intro music, which is Evil Men off of the album Cold Hearted Town. Uh, absolute banger. Uh, I'm very glad that I've stopped listening to Sawbones just so they don't have to, like, do that mental gymnastics of not fucking that up anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you very much to... Thank you very much to Dr. Activisionary for our uh, podcast art. Um, thank you very much to Matt, GameCube, and Noisebase.xyz for hosting this podcast. Um, I think that's all the things we have to say about this podcast. So if you want to find more of me, I'm on Twitter at SunHatGenya, S-U-N-H-A-T-Z-H-E-N-Y-A. Uh, I can also be found on other noise space podcasts, such as Fear Baiting, where I talk about horror movies, or uh, The Wonder Yerks, where me and my friends uh, Blair and Seda talk about Animorphs. Uh, that's they're good. They're good podcasts, folks. Um, and I think that's everything for me. Uh, I'm Matt. Uh, I run this bitch. I also have several podcasts on the Noise Space Network, many of which are going to be recording episodes in the next little bit. Uh, including Tuning Fork, which is a podcast about Pitchfork Media Hype Machine, and also Elite Full Restore, which is about Pokemon. There was, like, a huge volume of beta Pokemon leaks that I'm itching to talk about, so I'm trying to find a good guest for that, and that will probably be recorded at some point in the next week. Um, beta, beta Wooper is my friend. It's my fucking son. Oh my beta, god, it's beta, so beta goddamn wo- cute. Beta Wooper, I, I would like to see Beta Wooper and Kotara interact. Um, yeah, I mean they uh, were in at least one of the same builds, so oh, they are they friends. Be, imagine if they hadn't been cut, and you could see them interact in Pokemon Camp in in uh, Sword and Shield. I'm sure someone's already modeled both of them, and someone will just make this. Someone <laughs> oh, will make this for me. I, I really, if you, if you, if anyone happens to come across any like uh, stuffed, like any like uh, fan made plushes of Kotora, please let me know so I can buy it. I, I need, I need a, I need a little, I need a little uh, electric tiger ball friend. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, in addition to the one that you purchased at the Philadelphia Zoo. Well, that one was that one was an electric. <laughs> yeah, that one was an electric tiger. It was just a regular tiger ball. Yeah, Bum- Bumbles Bumbles has no electricity of which to speak. He's just a tiger ball. <laughs> hmm? uh, Matt. Oh, uh, if if you want to hear more from me, uh, I'm Matt L. Stephen on Twitter, and I have a podcast called Me Myself and IMDb, which you can find on. Uh, Buzzsprout and Spotify for now. Um, and it's about movies. Matt, make a note. Uh, oh, sorry. Go on. Okay. That's it. That's it. Okay. Uh, uh, GameCube, Matt, make a note to yourself to also put that one on the friend on the uh, yeah. the on on. I uh, have been meaning to do that, but I will probably also just bring it onto the network at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, is that everything? I think we're good. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kieran, again, thank you so much for coming on today. It was an absolute blast. Yeah. It was so cool. <laughs> I'm so hungry for dinner, though. I love you guys, but I'm so hungry for dinner. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go, go fucking eat something. Uh, until next time, uh, fucking Memento Pokemori. Memento Pokemori. Yeah, Memento Pokemori to use. All the rich white folk are going to argue. And the new ever's best is going to win that kiss from daddy. All the rich white folk are going to argue And the new Everest best is going to win a kiss from daddy Who will get a kiss daddy? All the rich white folk are going to argue But only one will triumph and win the prize of daddy's love Will daddy kiss? Who will daddy kiss? Who will daddy Roy kiss? Who will daddy kiss? Can he trust his kids? Oh, who will daddy kiss? Daddy kiss? Daddy kiss? Daddy kiss? Daddy kiss? Daddy kiss?